0: Today is Tuesday, February 4th, 2020, and this is the Loris Women's Leadership Alliance podcast. I am Kayla Schneider, Development Officer at Loris College, and with me today is Trent Hanselman, 2018 graduate and Assistant Director of Marketing of Digital Media, and 1996 graduate, Beth Mund. The Women's Leadership Alliance's mission is to engage women on the Loras College campus and alumni communities, connecting them or reconnecting them with the college with the overall goal of supporting young women who are attending Loras or who wish to attend Loras. If you wish to support the Women's Leadership Alliance Scholarship, please visit alumni.loras.edu forward slash giving and remember to put the Women's Leadership Alliance Scholarship in the designation box. Beth, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your day and your week to to sit and have a conversation with Trent and I. And and Trent, thank you so much for being here again. So, yeah, no uh, problem, Kayla. Yeah, happy 2020, Beth. You too.
1: I'm really excited to talk about Loris. Well, Anytime I get the opportunity, it was <laughs> such a great
0: school experience for me. Good. We love to hear that. And, you know, we're kind of spoiled. We I feel like we've been spoiled with uh, the past... Uh, goodness, Beth, what is it? Three years now we've we've been able to bring you back on campus uh, um, as our first keynote for the Women's Leadership Alliance um, back in 2017, I believe that was. And then, Has it been three years? That I, was so much fun. Oh my goodness. I know everyone loved that and Uh, Got to hear a little bit about your NASA experience uh, and your LORIS experience. And then even bringing your talents back, um, I think it was last spring, Trent and I were just discussing that on um, when uh, the panel, when uh, the communications panel took place last spring, which was amazing. Um, That was a perfect example of a result where
1: we kind of tapped into the women's leadership Mm -hmm. and the students and the buzz on campus where we said, There's something else that's needed here. Mm -hmm. People want to know to go beyond how to communicate in the workforce, Mm -hmm. how to communicate to get their jobs and how to communicate overall. What are the trends? What are the platforms? How do you navigate all this? And because they were asking us when we were back on campus as alumni, we gathered some of the best, brightest, and we just said, hey folks, who wants to share how they're navigating Mm -hmm. and share it with the students at Laura's currently but honestly I'm learning from the students. <laughs> Isn't
0: that funny how that when the student becomes the teacher and the teacher becomes a student type thing. All the time right. <laughs> no that was a fantastic um, event and um, I think uh, it. you know like you said the talents that were brought on on that day um, really resonates you know you know there's I loved the story, I think it was with you, um, that, that the disconnect of some uh, what women feel or just people in, in general, they feel um, when they're not qualified. And so having uh, people come um, together and talking about that, can you kind of talk a little bit more about that, the feeling of disconnect of that women feel um, that they're not qualified for a job?
1: Yes, and this isn't just in my field. I'm a journalist by heart, by nature, mm-hmm. and by my degree, but I'm also a scientist in the sense that I don't have a science degree. I have a science journalism degree, but I work every day in the science industry, and it's not just in the sciences that women feel underrepresented and under. Like they're not really in touch. They Mm -hmm. feel like they're still the minority because they are. And when it comes to the specifics in my industry of aerospace, when we talk about, and this is where I kind of live and enjoy. So Mm -hmm. I have a space podcast. I have a business that helps promote telling the stories and narratives of space and showcasing Mm -hmm. people, especially women in the industry, in aerospace and our space explorers. And it is such a joy. But you know, we still, we women mm-hmm. represent 25% of all aerospace employees. That is nice. That means every single NASA agency, every private space based company, every company that's a startup 25%. This means in biology, in chemistry, in physics, and in aerospace. It's kind of across the board, these numbers. We're looking to our left and we're looking to our Mm -hmm. right, and we're not seeing ourselves. We're not seeing diversity. We're not seeing other females in strong leadership positions in the industry. And again, this isn't just in science. This is in math and STEM, uh, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and even in some of the other business industries as well. So when you're looking to your left and right and you're not seeing role models like yourself, it's less likely that you will step into a role, a position that you feel confident in being able to be the leader in. Leadership happens when you see someone lead you or go before you. It's very rare that people become leaders by just luck, luck, or naturally stepping into rows or being roles or being so wonderfully talented that they just create their own space. And that does happen. It happens often, but it doesn't happen enough when we look within the industry to see the paths that are carved out for us. So when it comes to how we feel as students, we want to look to institutions like Glorious that have professors mm-hmm. who are women in these fields. We want to look at other females that have succeeded down the path, that have gone into these roles, these jobs, these unique opportunities. And we want to see how they're delivering their confidence and how they're showing up. How are they being represented? How are they being honored? What career path did they have? What what did they study? These are questions I get All the time from my listeners on this casual space podcast, from people who see me when I'm speaking and delivering keynotes, they ask me the number one question, what major should I take or Mm -hmm. how do I get into the field or what do I study so I can be on this path or this trajectory to get to a space or science space based industry. It's a loaded question.
0: It really is. And so I want to ask you, I'm sure you get this question all the time, but even if, you know, if you don't have those role models and so did Loris have those role models for you on campus or do you feel like you were given oh, enough yeah. here? Oh, yes. So they weren't. I didn't
1: study a heavy science degree. Again, I did that later mm-hmm. in my graduate studies. So at Loris, I was able to move through the sciences just kind of at a very general check the box requirement mm-hmm. level because it was Wasn't where I spent most of my focus. I really wanted to hone my writing, my journalism, my reporting, and those professors were incredible. And there were two in particular, two females who really grabbed a hold of my talent and were able to see right through to my soul almost. And it was fantastic. It was a communication law course that was really, really tough, taught by Dr. Mary Lynn Newhouse, and she was. Phenomenal. And she said, I'd like to see more of your work reflected in your interest here about NASA and NASA's transparency during crisis. And it would be really great if you were to continue this in your studies further. And I was thinking, what do you mean? I'm graduating this year. And she's like, yeah, have you thought about grad school so you can take this and continue to examine it? And I thought... No. Until then, no one ever laid that seed. I'm so grateful she did because that's exactly what I did. And then, of course, the great Chris Apple Mm -hmm. was a professor who inspired so many of us women because she was one of the first females to attend Loris College uh, when females were allowed to start at the Mm -hmm. school. And so she has just taken and embodied everything that Loris values and showcased it in her teaching and in her class, which, in my opinion, was show up, work hard, and just do you. She always has said that and taught that to us, and I'm forever grateful that there was staff like her, like Dr. Marilyn Newhouse. And now there's wonderful professors in the sciences, like Dr. Kristen Thompson, who's, Mm -hmm. I think she kind of calls herself an original engineer, but she also teaches Mm -hmm. physics, And she teaches physics in a way that everyone can understand. I wish I had her when I was on campus, because that's a class. I think she teaches a physics for non-majors. Gosh, I wish I had had that when I was at Loris. Dr. Kate Cooper, Dr. Mm -hmm. Christina Edwards, Mm -hmm. and Sarah Casella in neuroscience, in the biology teachers. So now we look to our right and our left in the classroom, and we see these strong female professors who are showcasing for us this field, the industry, the directions we can take it and encouraging the students to have that confidence to say, you can be a woman in this field and be successful. And it starts with the foundations here at Loris.
0: Absolutely. I love that. And I love hearing how passionate you are about it, Beth. That's one of the, <laughs> one of the things I love most about you is that your, your passion is contagious. So, um, how just, I want to, so if if they don't have it, if they look left and right and there's not someone that they feel to build their competence, how do they, you know, what, what uh Professor Apple said, Dr. Apple?
1: Yeah. How do you tell them well, to just Dr. do you? Apple was quite the voice. I mean, she said, make your own path. And that's exactly what she did. She was she was like I don't care. I'm going to go to Laura's college, whether, you know, I'm the first female or the second. It's just going to happen. This is my choice. I choose to do this. And she did it. And I'm sure it was difficult. I'm sure it wasn't an easy thing. I'm sure she had to, you know, make her own way. But (laughs) looking back, she's full of nothing of pride. I'm so grateful. And when you see people like that who are natural leaders, and I want Mm -hmm. to talk about there's, in my opinion, two kinds of leaders. I was thinking about this the other day in preparation for the podcast. And I was thinking, you know, there's like these natural leaders who have a mission Mm -hmm. and it's clearly defined in their mind and it's really already thought out and examined and purposeful and they are driven to accomplish that. And they just do it. They find the resources, they find the way or they make it themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think we're drawn to those people because when you're able to see a mission or a goal that's clearly defined, it's easy to get on board. The resources just kind of appear because that person has clearly defined what they're trying to set out to do. And then there's another kind of leader that may not have such a clear definition, but knows that they want to be part of a team of resources or people or to make that happen if that makes sense. So there's your natural leader who'll just do anything at any cost to make it happen and plunge forward and make waves, right? Absolutely. And then I think there's a quieter leader, a person who's going to not necessarily step behind a natural leader, but lead within the mission parameters. So they'll find ways to carve out a smooth path or a smoother path. And I love that Loris program's really combine the two they allow opportunities for both so if you want to plunge forward and there's something that you don't see that's an opportunity you just have to go and ask for it and either loris will create it or they'll show you where other resources are available or they'll consider making it happen that's always been something i've been really impressed with as an institution and then there's these other side paths or soft uh I don't want to say soft leaders, but this different way that you're not plunging forward, but you're finding the ways to move the mission Mm -hmm. as a whole forward. And as a student, there are so many opportunities there's peer groups and activities, and there's side groups outside of the campus, but related to the campus mission that are available, like through the state of Iowa, through the Dubuque community that Loras has resources to and with and relationships with, and you can work those pathways. So it might not be so direct and so defined, but they exist. And so you need Loras as an institution to show you what exists as that other type of leader to kind of pivot that behind you. you on that too, because they see that you're still moving the mission forward in a very different way and i was thinking about that the other day so i think there's like you know there's the chris apples who go forward mm-hmm. at any shape or cost she just does it and then there are so many great professors who have made their paths and it's wonderful to see the diversity in that because there's not there is no one cut straight way just like when people ask me what should i study mm-hmm. i always answer What's your end goal? If you're Mm -hmm. trying to get to NASA, there's 10,000 different ways NASA needs you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be an aerospace engineer or a physicist or even a scientist. NASA needs nutritionists. NASA needs all kinds of diverse degrees from top to bottom. Everything that's offered at Loris College, NASA needs business degrees and English majors and storytellers, all of it. So, there's not that one clear path. And that's a joy to be able to say to a student. And it's also a little disheartening for the student to be like, well, darn, that doesn't yeah, help you're me. You're not helping me. <laughs> I don't right? know You know, if they're confused <laughs> as to what to study. College is the perfect time to be able to explore it all and see where your interests reside and where they end up lying. Because it might surprise yourself when you come out of your comfort zone and take something completely different. Oh,
0: Absolutely. And find something you love, right? Absolutely, that's what it is all about. Um, and I think you hit it on the nose there. You know, Loris does a really nice job of of creating those those paths of what type of leader do do you want to be? Um, what is your end goal? And so, I want you. I for those people who were not able to attend your your speech when you came. Uh, a few years ago and talked about your, your loris experience and how you, you ended up with your journey to NASA. Talk about that a little bit, Beth, because I think that is so powerful. How many times did you apply for a job at NASA yeah. before you actually landed your dream job? Yeah, many. Well, how much time do we have? No, it's a <laughs> quick story. I can do it quickly. The
1: greatest part of this story is how many times I failed. And even though it started very much at Loris, it actually started just prior to Loris when I was a space camp attendee. And then mm-hmm. I went back to be a space camp counselor. I graduated from lorus I went to grad school at Marquette and I really dug into my science journalism reporting skills. And that kind of writing and technical writing was just what I needed to start laying the foundation for a technical writing background that NASA mm-hmm. needed. So I applied to NASA to do everything but that at first. I applied to be a driver. I applied to be, I think, a janitor. I think I applied to (laughs) any job where I'm like, I don't care. I just need to get in the door. I just need to get to NASA. I knew it. And I was driven. So I was just kind of applying as often as I could. But when the communication advising job came up, and it was as a technical writer, it was as if the stars aligned, literally. And so after several rejections, and may I also add, a couple of the harsh rejections that I got before I was accepted, were for other positions that I was totally qualified to do. And I really thought I would be brought on board because I was um, able to have all the skills that aligned. But you know, a NASA selective. And for whatever Mm -hmm. reasons that they had, it wasn't me that was chosen. So when I finally was able to interview at the Johnson space center, which is the home of human spaceflight, with a technical writing background. And they said, we know you have this technical writing background, but we'd love for you to come share the human side of space. I was elated because it was just the perfect balance of what I love, what I enjoy reading and what I am skilled at reporting. So I got to go down there. And again, it was about seven or eight. I stopped counting rejections (laughs) before I did get there. And once I was there, it was challenging, rewarding, wonderfully tough. It brought in all the skills from all my backgrounds, from all my institutions, including Loris, including Marquette. And including the real life, and I want to emphasize this too, I didn't graduate and get right to NASA. I don't think a lot of people do. I think Mm -hmm. some lucky few do. But even the astronauts themselves, they have complete uh, previous life experiences and backgrounds. They're scientists who work at the Arctic on penguin research. By the way, that's Christina Christina Cook. And Jessica Meir right now on board the International Space Station. They are biologists first and then astronauts, Mm -hmm. which is wonderful to think about. You you have this whole other interest and journey and life where you're working towards your science goal Mm -hmm. and then NASA brings you on. And that's exactly how it should be. And that's exactly how it worked for me, too. I had a whole corporate life. And I had a short stint as a reporter getting paid nothing (laughs) to really appreciate when NASA brought me on how ready I was. And I never lost track of my end goal. But it sure did take me a lot of sidetracked steps to get there. And once I got there, my gosh, it was like, my joy. It was definitely my career highlight and coming back to Laura's to share that was also a joy. So, and now it's my job to empower other women and to showcase, Hey, if a girl from the Midwest at a catholic liberal arts college in iowa gets to nasa (laughs) everyone anyone who is determined can go to nasa for sure or anything bigger spacex blue origin any of the startup space companies it is all available as a matter of fact students from Loris just got back from nasa johnson space center
0: j term they had a wonderful trip there
1: I'm so excited for them. I was like living vicariously <laughs> through them. I was, I'm was, i silently stalking their whole trip and I'm endeavors because so I was just
0: so happy for them. I know. When I found that out, when I read that, I said, I have got to uh, pass this along to Beth. She will just be overjoyed with reading this. <laughs> I bet they were coming out of their
1: skin. It's such a great opportunity because... You don't get to see inside the buildings and they're so vast and there's so much. And a a lot of people ask me, what was it like working there? And I hate to disappoint them, but it's really very government. Mm -hmm. It's very government. It's very, that smell of like, paper Mm -hmm. is what you Mm -hmm. is what NASA like that's the smell you know like really old filing cabinets from a library start there and then there's nothing modern about it except (laughs) for the astronaut's equipment is pretty darn modern it has to be it has to be space-based you know technology but the hallways the offices the campus itself. It really started back in 1963. So, and those offices haven't changed oh much. That <laughs> so so I think people are a little disappointed when they're like, <laughs> I'm going to NASA and they think what they see in the movies are like these huge, you know, big screens with lots of data and it's always dark and ominous and got all the lights going. It's nothing like that really. It's yeah. quite Generic and pretty government vanilla, but nevertheless, it looks like they had a great time. Yeah,
0: I think that they did. I think they really did. And uh, you know, I love your story, Beth. And you know, I think that you 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 tell it obviously so well. It's your story, but everything makes sense. You know, um, from the disconnect that that women um, feel that they're not qualified, and just how Loris helps pave the way to that to to being able to figure out what type of leader that you are, to be able to figure out your angle. Where do you want to be? Um, your story is perfect with that. You know, you said it perfectly. You took a lot of different, uh, turns before you were, uh, before you landed that job at NASA, that was a, a highlight of your career. And so you talked about this a little bit, but what advice, uh, anything that you would continue to tell those, uh, women in particular, um, still trying to, uh, find their path and the type of leader they want to be?
1: Oh, this is such a great question. And I have, I think a great answer, It's not unlike the question, how do I become an astronaut? It's not very unlike. And here's what's interesting. NASA doesn't select the best and the brightest. Mm -hmm. They don't. They select well-rounded people. And I'm really emphasizing now, unfortunately, I have to say, only 11% of those who have been to space have been women only 11%, you know, and of course we're familiar with Sally Ride and Shannon Lucid and Mm -hmm. Chicago's very own Mae Jameson, but we have new explorers now and some of the new astronaut class like Christina Cook on board station right now and Jessica Meir they're on their way back. Christina's been up there for almost a year and one of these girls might become the first woman to set foot on the moon. When I think about that, mm-hmm. it's like a whole new world that is opening to all of us who are going to watch that in our lifetime, in our generation. And so, how were they selected? I want to go back to their background. Do they have a science background, of course, but they're background was that they were world travelers. They had hobbies and interests. They had varying degrees. They studied penguin DNA and how, lo- how long, get this, Jessica Mir, I believe, studied in the Arctic for many years, living up there, how penguins' blood can hold the oxygen longer underwater than any other mammal. And this is her research. So what does that have to do with getting on board the space (laughs) station, right? Well, let's take that and put it right back to Loris College. Loris has the foundations, just like NASA's looking for astronauts that have these diverse and varied foundations. If your degree is not diverse enough for you, oh my gosh, then Loris has activities, campus meetings, student activity groups they have um, J-term, like you mentioned earlier, opportunities. There's internships. There's so many things that are foundational that can start at at Loras and continue and go way beyond what you're experiencing in the classroom. And that's what any astronaut I think would tell you, and I'm not speaking on behalf, I wish I could, Mm. (laughs) of the astronaut corps, (laughs) but they did not say, well, very, very few, by the way, and this is like back in the 1970s, 60s, and 50s, where they were test pilots only, or engineers, or scientists, and they said, I chose Purdue, because they had an aerospace degree, and that was the path, that's not the case anymore, and same at Loris. there are so many opportunities, that when you think about, hmm, what's my end goal, and even if you don't know, which by the way, I was very focused on NASA, but I didn't know how I was going to get there. Mm -hmm. And I was disappointed at times to be able to say, I don't think I'm strong enough in the sciences to continue that being the way I'm going to get into NASA. So what am I good at? And what are my foundational skills? And recognizing that was half of the battle, I think. So if your foundational skills are something you're familiar with, or if you're not, here's the deal. Go ask your counselor. Go to Loras and ask your friends. Look around at what you are loving when you're on campus. Are you loving the academics, the athletics? Are you enjoying the campus ministry, the support staff um, roles that are available, Um, extracurricular activities outside of Loras, but still within the Loras community? And dig in deep and enjoy them because you never know how that can move into something bigger that will take you on your path.
0: I think that is excellent, excellent advice, Beth. Um, and I could just sit here and listen to you all day and have this conversation and um like I said, the passion that you um, radiate is so contagious and we are so grateful to have wonderful alums like you and especially be part of the Women's Leadership Alliance Board. You've been a fantastic asset um, to the community here as a whole and um, the Dubuque oh, and surrounding. thank you, Kayla. I yeah. really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, thank you again if, um, you know, we ever think about other conversations we can have with Beth or tune into to to your podcast what is the name of that again let me
1: plug it I'd love to here's (laughs) a couple things I want to plug you can find me and my work at bethmund.com and you can find the podcast casual space at bethmund.com slash casual space My casual space podcast, just you can find casual space podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts, where I weekly get to have and host discussions with astronauts, engineers, scientists, Mm. illustrators, authors, all of these fantastic people who are just like us, space enthusiasts. So there's one thing I want to plug. However, this is just as important. Mm. (laughs) There is an alumni community at Loras, who are here to help you. Service is one of the key values. And it's one of the key, you know, we talked about what's at the foundation of Loris, and service is one of those. And that is why most alumni are still very much tied to the Loris community. And we are here to serve. So if you are an alumni, if you are a student and you're interested in this particular women's group, the Loris Leadership, or anything else or something in the sciences, look up an alumni who can who, who is listed and we would be more than happy to help. And I'm I'm speaking on behalf of most alumni, mm-hmm. but I really mean that because I'm I don't want anyone to be shy. We're here to help. We we were able to go down that path, however it was created for us. And I'm honored to be able to turn around and extend my hand. So you can find me on LinkedIn, you can find me on Facebook, but you can also find all of the alumni on the no- numerous Loris College alumni group. There's one for marketing, there's one for business. Just, you know, social media platform search, and you can talk and speak directly with alumni. And don't be shy ask a question, reach out, make sure you're introducing yourself and recognizing you're a Laura student and be specific when you ask. You know, don't just say I'm kind of curious and I want to just know about, you know, something very vague. The more specific you are, the better we can help serve you. So that's something I definitely want to plug because I'm really proud to do it. It's just one little way I feel I can give back to the Laura's community.
0: Well, wonderful, uh, Beth. We are grateful for you, like I said. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for for being on uh, the Women's Leadership Alliance podcast today. And um, up next for the Women's Leadership Alliance podcast on the 18th of February, we have 2018 graduate Michaela Dolman, who um, it's kind of special to bring her on because she was our first scholarship recipient. Um, and then uh, 35 Yay. days, I know it. Um, so, so we're excited to have her. But uh, also also, 35 days until Hawk Day. It is coming right up, and uh, um, stay tuned on on that. We do have a Women's Leadership Alliance uh, challenge for the day, uh, among um, uh, various other challenges. But follow along um, on uh, social media that day. It's a it's a great day to to love Loris and, and to be a hawk So, um, a lot of great things happening, and uh, stay tuned. <laughs>